0: Uh, We're continuing our series uh, that we just began last Sunday called Rooted in the Gospel as we unpack our church's what we call supplies. So joyful, inviting, united, transparent. Uh, These are the supplies of God's grace that he gives to us in Christ and through the gospel, through faith in him as he changes us more and more into his image. This morning we'll be focusing on our supply of joy. Our supply of joy and as we do We'll look together at 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, So please open with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll read verses 3 through 9. And this is the word of the Lord. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, so... For you are receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's word. Let's pray together as we come to it. Lord, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, that you haven't left us in the dark to wonder who you are or what it is to be in a relationship with you. And even more than that, Lord, you have condescended to us, to our deepest and darkest depths, to lift us up to yourself that we might know fullness of joy. And so we ask, O Lord, that you would open our ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning and that you'd be at work by your Holy Spirit, lifting our hearts to yourself that we might be changed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently... Is selling something Maybe you recognize this quote From The Princess Bride I appreciate the honesty, though, of Wesley The protagonist in the story Who had seen his fair share of suffering And uh, also the seeming betrayal of his true love, Buttercup But the sentiment that life is pain Is often found on the lips of someone In the heat of trial Someone who is acutely feeling the waves of difficulty and sorrow crash over them. And the maxim rings true as we consider the many hardships and trials that we all face in this world, along with even the futility of everything we try, everything we buy, to help us ignore or suppress the pain. What have you tried? What have you bought? Thankfully, our passage this morning gives us the key to facing our trials, our suffering, our difficulties, without minimizing or denying them. Instead, we can face the hard times with courage, hope, even joy. Yes, joy. Because in this beginning part of Peter's letter, he emphasizes three main topics, which will structure this morning's message. First, trials. Second, hope. And third, joy. The young churches to whom Peter was writing were suffering deeply. Under a state-sanctioned persecution, there was imprisonment and even the threat of death for their faith in Christ. And yet the Apostle Peter here encourages them with the truth that is also the main point of this sermon. A Christian can rejoice no matter their circumstances because they have an unbreakable hope. A Christian can rejoice no matter their circumstances because they have an unbreakable hope. And so our first topic, trials. We're all wondering, how? How can we rejoice in our trials? Well, before we answer that question, we need to understand the nature of our sufferings and trials in the world. And Peter affirms here that trials are a grievous experience. Verse 6, Though now, for a little while, you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Friends, trials are hard. And there's no way around that. Our trials are many and varied, right? All kinds of trials. And it's nice that the Bible is so refreshingly honest about this reality. Listen to Psalm 69 and and the way the psalmist speaks of his trials. He cries out, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause, those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. And he goes on, but... I think it's telling, friends, as we look at the Psalms that more than a third of them are these type of Psalms, Psalms of lament, crying out, the pain, the anguish, the sorrows, the difficulties, the trials of life, crying out. And we each face different trials in our lives don't we but with that we also have to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of comparing our trials to the trials of someone else perspective can be good right for the purpose of giving thanks to god for the blessings that we do have but we must not let ourselves fall into either minimizing our suffering saying oh at least it's not as bad as you know what someone else is going through or being just utterly swallowed up by them No matter what your trials entail, they are hard. They are difficult. And I think it's important to feel the weight of that. But maybe you're not struggling with that. Maybe you're feeling like Wesley in The Princess Bride, right in the middle of the pain of suffering and betrayal. You're feeling the weight of it. How do you then not let yourself be overwhelmed by your hardships? First, we need to know that our trials will not last forever. And those of you who have seen more earthly life maybe can accept this reality more readily. (laughs) You've, You've faced more trials, but you've also experienced more times of relief. But perhaps even still, you're suffering under the trials that have been with you for years and years. But the truth still stands, friends. Your trials will not last forever. Our passage gives us this perspective. Our trials are for a little while. For a little while. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Your trials will not last forever. The second thing that we need to keep in mind so we don't get overwhelmed by our hardships is that our trials have a purpose. They have purpose. While the psalmist that we read earlier may have had enemies that outnumbered the hairs on his head, he also had a God who numbers every hair of his head. God is not aloof or unaware of our suffering. He knows our trials. And he designs them for his holy purposes. As Peter says in verse 7, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Friends, God uses our trials to refine and test and prove our faith like gold, when it's refined by the fires of the crucible. But some might be tempted to think that a good God would never allow the kinds of suffering that we face. But friends, that would only be true if there wasn't some greater purpose behind our trials that maybe we can't see. But that greater purpose of God, using them for the good of those he loves. But how can we be certain? How can we know? And what often seems like hopeless and meaningless pain can be for our genuine spiritual good. Do we have any certainty of this? It brings us to our second point, Hope. You see, hope is the heart of Peter's letter. The whole thing drips with this theme. And our passage this morning obviously hits on this theme clearly. Because Christians, we are people of hope. And hope is not just some kind of wishful thinking, right? The hope that we have in Christ is a sure hope. A hope guaranteed by God himself. And it's that hope that Peter unpacks for us when he says we were born again to a living hope, to a heavenly inheritance, to a salvation to be revealed at the last day. So let's consider those three guarantees of our hope together. Living hope, heavenly inheritance, and salvation. First, our hope is alive We have a living hope because we have a living Savior, friends. Verse 3, Jesus was raised from the dead. And it's his resurrection that now guarantees our hope. He has gone before us, he has run the race, and he has won. But the reality behind his resurrection is death. Our living hope, Jesus, passed through the pain of hell itself and came out on the other side, victorious over our sin and death. And now through faith, we can be assured that where Jesus has gone, we will follow. He was raised to life, and so we too will be raised to newness of life. And that rich soil of the gospel is itself the very foundation of our faith and life in God. The gospel brings joy, even now, because we have received this new birth, this this new principle of life that God puts into us by his Holy Spirit. Nothing in heaven or on earth can ever take it away. And that new spiritual life that we have is the down payment of life that yet awaits us in glory. As late Pastor Edmund Clowney said, A Christian has a hope that holds the future in the present because it is anchored in the past. Our hope, friends, is alive. And so we can have that guarantee. Second, our hope is for a heavenly inheritance. It's not just for this life. You see, the people of Israel, if you know the story of the Old Testament, they were given an inheritance in the land of Canaan, right? The tribes of the family of Jacob were each apportioned the boundaries of their land, and that was their inheritance. But if you know the story, you know that there were some very good times for the people of Israel, but lots of very bad times. Their enemies who lived in the land were always threatening their peace, Many of God's people died and were buried as a result of the warfare that took place and, and many other causes. And over and over again, the prophets were warning the people about their sin, about their idolatry, about turning away from God and, and how that would pollute the land. And on account of which, God threatened to cast them out of it. And indeed he did. But in Christ. We have a hope of a heavenly inheritance that our passage tells us can never perish, spoil, or fade. A land of which the children of Israel only just caught a glimpse, just, just an inkling. Friends, we have a heavenly land that will never be lost, defiled or diminished in any way. A land that was purchased for us by the shed blood of Jesus, So brothers and sisters, in the midst of your suffering, don't forget that God is preparing you for this heavenly land, for an inheritance with riches beyond your wildest dreams. And he's preparing us together to live there with him forever. Even through our sufferings here and now. Our hope is for a heavenly inheritance, a living hope. And third, our hope is, as verse 5 says, is for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Modern people have fallen for the lie that history is just doomed to repeat itself forever and ever and just kind of keep going, just repeating itself. But that is a lie history will have a climactic end at the day of Christ's return. This last day, friends, is coming. A day when all mankind will come before the judgment seat of Christ. All our sins will be accounted for in one way or another. So every person will either face this day with great joy, or great terror how about you how will you face that day will your good deeds be good enough good enough to weigh out your bad deeds will god overlook the wickedness of the words that you have spoken or or let go unpunished the evil thoughts that you have had no because justice must be satisfied. The only hope that any of us have on that day is that Jesus faced the justice that our sins deserved, and he took them away, buried them in the grave, and he accomplished a salvation for us as he endured the cross, despising the shame, and even now is risen and sat down at the right hand of God. You see, Jesus suffered in a way that we never will in order to give us hope of a salvation that is guaranteed on the last day. And so to quote Pastor Clowney again, our hope is anchored in the past. Jesus rose. Our hope remains in the present. Jesus is alive. And our hope is completed In the future Jesus is coming so with joy and longing friends may we say come Lord Jesus to enter into that joy that we long for and that's our third and final topic joy and so we come back to the question how can we rejoice in our trials And the answer is only as we cling to the gospel hope that we have in Christ. But friends, it is so easy to lose sight of that hope when the trials are heavy, when the suffering is deep, when the pain just keeps going and going. But we can find true and abiding joy even in the midst of the hard things of life when we hear God's promises ringing in our minds and in our hearts. So we need to keep our eyes on the prize, to run the race with endurance, because Jesus has gone before us and he has won. And he will come again to bring us home. Peter tells us that we can hold to that hope with confidence because through faith we are shielded by God's power. What that doesn't mean is that we are unaffected by the pain we endure. But, as people shielded by God's power, we can look our hardship in the eye and rejoice. Knowing that Jesus is using it to refine us, to prepare us for a heavenly home, where trials and suffering and pain are just a memory the day that we will finish the race and claim the crown of unfading glory in Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have reason to rejoice even in the hardest parts of our lives because we have a hope that is rooted in the perfect and finished work of Jesus for us. And he's not going to let us go. We can rejoice in our Savior Who through him, even though we have not seen him, we love him. Verse 8. Though we do not now see him, we believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Does this sound unrealistic? Does this sound unattainable? Does it feel impossible? Well, it is if we lose sight of the gospel hope that we have in Christ. So look to Him, friends. Look to Jesus. Because though we look to Him now by faith, one day we will look to Him with our very eyes. And that day is coming soon. Remember, your trials will not last forever. And when your faith is weak, you're struggling to hold on to the promises of God, know that God promises to hold on to you. Our faith, it's just the means by which God brings us into our blessed hope. But it's the strength and the greatness of God that brings you through your trials, not the strength and greatness of your faith. Finally, we can rejoice together, together as a church, as God supplies us with this joy flowing from his throne, flowing from his heart, the joy that he gives us as we learn to rejoice together through the ups and the downs that we face, always keeping the one constant before us, our hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, friends. The gospel is that rich soil in which our hope grows. The gospel is the strong foundation upon which we can stand when everything else around us is crashing and crumbling to the ground. So when you're tempted to be angry toward God, a brother or sister can come alongside you and point you to his goodness and grace. I hope you've experienced this. When you're feeling overcome, Overwhelmed by your sorrows. A faithful friend can remind you of his steadfast love and his comfort for you, his presence with you. Brothers and sisters of Jordan Valley Church, let's give ourselves to rejoicing together, even as we do each Lord's Day. May we rejoice as we pray and grow in Christ together, as we Share with each other what God has given to us. And may we find fullness in the knowledge of Christ that we always have a reason to rejoice and to bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. And so to conclude, Christian, you can rejoice no matter your circumstances because you have an unbreakable hope. And it's not our faith that's unbreakable, but the promise of God upon which our faith rests that can never be broken. And so may we rejoice, even in the hard times, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who will guard us through faith until the day that our joy is complete. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, you are so good to us. Our trials are hard, and our pain is deep. But Lord Jesus, you know our pain. You have suffered, and you have faced the worst that this world could throw at you, and you overcame, O oh Lord, for us. And so we ask that you would meet us, Lord, with compassion with gentleness and with your mercy in our suffering. Remind us of the hope that we have so that our pain will not have the final word, but you, O Lord, do. And it is a word of love and acceptance and grace in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.